Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Commit yourself to lifelong learning. Understand Christian theology so you can tell strange teachings from truth. The best defense against disruptive ideas is not the absence of learning, but constant learning. Faith grows when people say, Lord, what can I discover today? Find a small group, unafraid of open talk, where questions are welcome and discussion is vigorous. That's wise teaching. If you were to get a friend request on Facebook from someone who says they're related to you, what would you do first? Check and see if that's really true. You check with other relatives to see if someone you already know knows them and can vouch for them. It's the same way when it comes to teachings or behaviors in the church. If something doesn't look quite right, you ask someone you trust. Pastor Mark's teaching today will help you gain some tools for learning to discern good teaching from bad. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as he continues his message, Real Security, Our Unchanging God. Don't look for anything outside this. Pastor Mark, I found this new revelation. Wow. You mean all of these guys for the last 2,000 years, with all their education, all the knowing of the Spirit, they never found it, but you did? Wow, I'm impressed. Doesn't happen. Now, for you, it might be a new revelation, But somebody's already come up with it, and it's solid. It's been proven over and over and over again. What protects us from strange teaching? Keep your finger right there. Let's go back to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. It's important in our day and age to understand that God knew these kind of things would happen. God knew that there would be many churches today that will not teach the Word of God. They'll teach parts of it. But in Ephesians chapter 4, look down to verse 11. It was He, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Why did God give them these ministry gifts to the church? Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Well, how long will that take? 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So how long will the pastor teacher, that's the one I'll talk about on those gifts, how long will that pastor teacher gift be in our churches? How long? Well, until we reach unity in the faith and we become mature just like Jesus Christ. How long? Oh, another week or two, we'll have it down, right? No, we'll never get there. So the church, that's why in Revelation chapter 4, what happens to the church? To heaven. Then we are. Then we will be like him. Why? No more sin nature. That's when my final maturity comes. That's that full sanctification. It's actually the glorification that's going to happen to us. Until then, God's given these minister gifts. One of them, you see, pastor teachers. We have lots of pastor teachers in this body. Why did he do it? For that maturity. Now, what's the opposite of the maturity? The opposite of maturity is being influenced by strange teaching. Look at the next verse. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there, notice, by every wind of teaching. Well, what is behind that teaching? And the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So what does that tell us? That Satan is always looking for a way into a church to bring strange teaching to get off the very thing we're talking about. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's all about Jesus. That's why we're here. It's all about Jesus. Now, when we start making it political, when we start trying to Solve the global warming, and the political's fine, the global warming's fine, whatever. When we start to move to all of those areas, and we take Jesus and move him to third or fourth place, the church is in trouble. That's strange teaching. Now, who wants Jesus to be moved to third or fourth place in the church? Satan. He hates Jesus being the focus. But Jesus said, that's where I am. I'm the foundation of the church. Notice, instead of that, verse 15, here's a picture of maturity. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. So the result of a pastor teacher of churches that have pastor teachers, and as you know, we have wonderful pastor teachers on body here. What is it? Immature believers, no longer. We grow together. And what you see, that makes Satan angry. If you've never written this in your Bible, I'd encourage you to do it. These three things. Verse 13, the goal is maturity. That's what we're trying to do. Keep away from strange teaching. Verse 14 is stability. I'm not tossed back and forth. And verse 15, huge word in the ministry today, it's integrity. 
as pastors, and Colossians 1, 28 and 29 is my life verse, every pastor teacher is trying to see these things happen in the sheep that we're teaching, that there's maturity. You're becoming more like Christ. By the way, you are. You guys are growing. You're maturing. The fruit of the Spirit's in there. Those kind of things are happening. I congratulate you. You please us very much. Next, stability. When the Lakeland King comes, the church doesn't walk out and head over to Lakeland. When you guys saw some of that, you went, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong. And I got email after email. Pastor Mark, this looks wrong. You're right on. It is wrong. Why? It's strange teaching. It's bizarrety. What happens afterward? Whole thing crashes. Some people left. You know, some people are coming back. Can we allow them to come back? Absolutely. Anyone here ever make a mistake? We already talked about what? Grace. Sure we do. So there's stability. And last, this is a hard one. We have to do this. When I'm in this pulpit, I have to speak the truth in love. That requires God's help in both cases. As a husband, I'm required to speak the truth in love. Now, sometimes when we in the pulpit speak truth to you in love, Does it seem like it isn't love? Yes. But if you know your pastors, you can trust them with the word. If this was the Apostle Paul, what is he saying to these group of people that are being persecuted? He says what? Stick with it. Don't go after strange teaching. What would be easier for Paul to say? Go back to Judaism. It was okay. It's fine. I've been in it many years. And you won't have any more trouble. Go on back. Easier thing to say. But see, he can't say that because he has to speak to what first? Tell me. He has to say the truth first. But can he say it in love? Yes, he has to say it in love. Because he has to encourage you. They're hurting. And they need to hear that love. As a parent, you know well that speaking the truth in love is absolutely huge. So notice, we have the stability of Jesus And the stability of the word. Any teaching that opposes the truth of God's word is strange and false. That's why there's many false teachers who know how to mix truth with error. Listen to the Life Application Commentary. Find a church whose teaching is Christ-centered, where the Bible is believed. Commit yourself to lifelong learning. Understand Christian theology... So you can tell strange teachings from truth. The best defense against disruptive ideas is not the absence of learning, but constant learning. Faith grows when people say, Lord, what can I discover today? Find a small group, unafraid of open talk, where questions are welcome and discussion is vigorous. That's wise teaching. That's what you're doing. Back to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, what was the strange teaching that, if it was Paul, what was the strange teaching that he was warning them against? Look at the next part. Verse 9. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by, say it with me. Now look at me. What was Paul talking about? What was the teaching 
that they were almost going to go away from. It was the teaching of grace. See, the New Testament, grace was the teaching. The Old Testament, it was the law. They were thinking of going back under the law. And he said, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Notice, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Well, what's the opposite of that? Here we have a picture of the law. Not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. So you want to write this. What was being attacked? God's grace. God's grace. These Jewish believers were thinking of deserting grace for legalism. Legalism said that holiness was connected with externals, like these foods and ceremony foods. Worship, clean foods, non-kosher foods, not kosher foods. But Jesus taught that holiness was never, ever able to be produced by the law, but only by grace. Romans 14, 17 is a verse you know, but it's so important for us. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Listen to William MacDonald. Legalism concerning clean and unclean foods was designed to produce ritual cleanness. But this is not the same thing as inward holiness. A man might be ceremonial clean and yet be filled with hatred and hypocrisy. Only God's grace can inspire and empower believers to live holy lives. Love for the Savior who died on account of our sin motivates us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. After all, endless rules concerning food and drinks have not profited their followers. So what does that mean? I have to be very careful that I don't become this ritualistic... Well, I came Sunday, and I'm in a small group, and I came Wednesday night in that rainstorm, Pastor Mark. I'm right with God. It's good we do those things. But that's that doing part again. Based on me. And if it's based on me, I didn't do everything right this week, did I? i got to go back to grace again. So be careful because many people come to church week in and week out for that very reason. You know, there are some churches, they take communion every single week because that's their salvation. And then the rest of the week doesn't matter. See, it's a ritual that's supposed to equal their salvation. It doesn't work. It can't work. Because my heart's what needs to be changed, not this external. Now, next thing you want to write is this. What does grace do? Well, sound doctrine produces a humble Christ follower. That's a hard thing for us. James 4, 6 says this. But he gives us more grace... That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, my old nature says I can be right with God by my good works or my religious deeds. Legalism and self-worth impede grace and maturity and humbleness. That mentality that I can be right with God because I do enough good things or I'm very active in the church, that comes from one thing, pride. In other words, I don't need this cross that you see behind here. I don't need the cross. I'm good enough. 
Somebody wrote me this week, one of their relatives, when they asked him about going to heaven, said, I'm a good person. So I sent her these scriptures to talk about. No, no one's right. Everyone has sinned. There's not a chance to do it. So be careful. If I start doing things, and that's what these Jewish people were thinking, they're going to go back to legalism to be right with God. Didn't work in the first place. Paul knew it. He said, look, if there's anybody that kept the stuff, that was me. But I was miserable. Now, what about America? America is a proud nation that at the moment is being what? Humbled. Why do you think we're being humbled? Well, we've said no to prayer in schools. No longer do we trust in God. It's on your money, but it may not be there long, but we don't trust in God anymore as a nation. We are in the process of redefining what marriage is. And of course, millions of our babies are being murdered. What is America saying? Uh, we're good enough without God. That's what our nation's come. That's where Europe is now. Europe is godless. We don't need God anymore. That's what our country's doing. And because of this, this economy, this financial disaster, it's starting to wake people up. Well, maybe, maybe we do need God. You see, when we think we have all the answers, and all of a sudden, expensive cars are being turned in, people are walking out the doors of their home with no equity, nothing left. It goes back into foreclosure. Many people stand in lines of unemployment. We're looking for handouts. Maybe God's getting our attention. By the way, those attitudes that we really don't need God aren't only outside the church. We have to be very careful in here because we're used to our money being our security or our job or my intelligence or my good looks <laughs> or yours. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. This is not new to God. And I think it's a great wake-up call to our nation and to us in the church. And that's really what Paul's talking about here. He says, you can't leave grace. Grace is God's gift to us. Don't think you're going to be prideful and you can do without God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, go down to verse 6. You might want to meditate on it this week. It's powerful. Speaking to the nation of Israel. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, what should we do? Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. That used to be the mentality in our nation. Well, where's the warning? It starts in verse 11. 
Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God, who is the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now he has led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land. With his venomous snake and scorpions, he brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known to humble and to test you. You already see what this week's assignment is as we head to chapter 16. To humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Notice God is for us. You may say to yourself, circle this in your Bible, my. Circle it. That's the pride. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth, notice, for what? For me. That is a hundred percent wrong. Let's read on. Last verse. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Confirms his covenant means that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Notice, when, when we get too much in ourselves, then it's my power, it's my wisdom, it's my company, it's my education, it's my position, it's my title. I did it all, and I'm, I'm hoarding all this for me. Well, the Bible is exactly the opposite. God wants to bless us. He has blessed us. We're blessed out of our socks, even as we stand here still. We're blessed compared to most nations of the world. We're blessed. But the key is, we realize it came from Him, and we're not to hoard it. We're to give it to others. Notice, my power and strength in my hands that produces wealth for me. No, not at all. To meet the needs of other people. That's the goal. So be careful as God has blessed you, and even going through this difficult time, let's simply acknowledge we need God's help. I need His help. Sometimes we don't understand why God's doing what He's doing. Of course, He's allowing it to happen. So in my life, what's the bottom line? I don't want to go to ritual. I don't want to be in dead religion. I want to love God's grace. So the next thing I want you to write is these three things. Let's be filled with grace, and let's walk in grace. Grace is unmerited favor. And let's be grace givers. Now, why should I do that? Because, guys, I didn't earn grace. Freely, you've been given. You've been given it. You've received it. Give it out. Freely. Came to me, just give it out. That's what we do. We're just conduits for God of his finances that he gave us, of his grace, of his talents. All of you that sing and work in our kids' ministry and usher, the poor guys out there, they've already had their shower for the week. It's over with, times four. What did they do? They served you through God's strength. It's a beautiful thing. So I want to be a grace person. And if we're not careful, we can go back to legalism, even though we know we don't believe in legalism. We can go there. 
Pastor Mark taught today about sorting out the messages you hear in the world today, you found out about the unchanging nature of the Bible. You can test everything you hear or see. It's comforting to know that God cared enough about mankind to give them a way to know and understand absolute truth. It's just up to you to make use of it. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will bring us the last installment of his teaching, Real Security, Our Unchanging God. You'll learn how God in the Old Testament told the Israelites to deal with sin. You'll be reminded that this method wasn't good enough because it had to be done over and over for the rest of their lives. Jesus came to be the final, permanent payment for sin. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting